You're listening to the North Carolina Theater Stories Podcast. Tonight, star of the revolutionist, Melanie Simmons. Othelit director, Mary Lowe. And comedian, Brett Williams. Featuring Timmy Dukes and the Fair Use Players. And now, please welcome our host, James Johnson. Thank you, thank you. Uh, I... Yeah, yeah, th- th- thank you, please, please. Hold on, hold on, everybody, everybody can, everybody can be, you please be quiet, just, just a moment. Uh, yeah, yeah, th- thank you, really. Um, hey, hey, Jerry? J- J- Jerry, can, can somebody, can somebody grab Jerry? What? I'm on my break. Yeah, yeah, the, the... Yeah, the show just started, bud. You, you, how, how can you be on your break? You're not my dad. Okay. <laughs> okay. See, see, see there. You, you're acting defensive. So obviously, you know you did something wrong. Get off my back, Jack. Dude, Jerry, you have one job. Like literally, all you have to do is announce our guests and get their names right. And I did. You did. You, you did. Really? Huh? Mary Lowe? You didn't think I'd catch that? Her name is Marie Lowe, Jerry. Marie. That's what I said! Marty! Marty Lowe! Marie. You're drinking again, aren't you? I've been announcing this show since you were in diapers! You've literally been here for only two weeks. And you need to learn to lock your phone! You saw that? I drink to forget the things I've seen. Okay, well, you know the what? things let's, I've let's seen just, in your phone. Let's just move on. Um, <laughs> my, my first guest, um, my first guest is an actress who has most recently starred in the Raleigh Little Theater's Perfect Arrangement and Proof. Uh, currently, she is playing the last queen of France, Marie Antoinette, in the comedy The Revolutionist at the Raleigh Little Theatre, which is running from September 28th to October 14th. Please welcome the very royal, Melanie Simmons. Oh! Oh, man! Oh! Oh, I, I wish you guys could see this at home, I... Melanie is being carried in by a troop of muscular manservants. Also, one of her manservants isn't muscular at all. He's really having a tough time of it. Oh no! The little manservant has collapsed! Oh wow! A group of smaller manservants are now carrying the tiny manservant who passed out in a true act of unity among manservants. I've never seen such a beautiful and selfless act. This is like watching a kitten wear a bunny for a hat. Amazing. Truly an entrance like no other. Welcome to the show. And, and um, first off, I, I, I do want to thank you for, for that amazing entrance. That was, that was uh, remarkable. We've never had a guest do that before. Um, You're welcome. Marie, Marie Antoinette has to make an entrance, you know. She doesn't do anything halfway. <laughs> Yes, uh, I, I don't, you know, I don't know where you you found the budget for those those uh, slave boys who, who carried you in, uh, but uh, that's it, it's it's impressive that you yeah. is that is I'm guessing that's how you travel everywhere. 
But uh, yeah, they they came with a dress, so they're kind of like handlers. It's great. Cool. So, uh, first <laughs> off, uh, could could you tell me about this play uh, for for those who are unfamiliar with the show? Sure. Uh, the Revolutionist is uh, it's it's a relatively new play. It was the most produced play in 2017. Uh, it was written about four women in the French Revolution, uh, Marie Antoinette, of course. Mm. Uh, there is also uh, Charlotte Corday, who's uh, less well-known, but a prominent figure in the Revolution, who was a young girl who, uh, she was an assassin, which is awesome and badass. Um, and there's Alain de Gouge, who was a playwright during the Revolution, um, who, she's actually sort of the main, the play is kind of meta. It's, I mean, it's a comedy, but... It's also, she's kind of writing a play about the revolution and whether or not she's writing the play we're in as we're doing it. It's kind of up for interpretation. <laughs> uh, and then there's uh, Marie, uh, Marianne Angel, who is a black woman from the Caribbean mm-hmm. who's in, for, in Paris as a spy to, to kind of spy on the revolution. Because in, in the Caribbean, they were having um, a revolution as well for you know, f- freedom for the slaves. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot of... And Mar- Marianne, Marianne Angel is the only character in the play who's actually fictional. Uh, because they didn't really have, nobody was telling the stories of, mm. you know, black women fighting for their rights in the 1700s. It just didn't exist. Yeah. So she's a compilation of a lot of women who uh, were also fighting revolutions at the time. And the playwright wrote this play of all these characters who never really met in person. But mm. for the purpose of this play, she she wrote them all and brought them all together. And uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of humor in it. It starts out as a comedy. And... Um, it just she just really wanted to tell the story about revolution and the voices of revo- revolution and standing up for yourselves and sisterhood and equality and all these great themes that were so much a part of this incredible revolution in in France that mm-hmm. you know and here we are now today still fighting a lot of the same battles so it's still very poignant today. Yeah, I I think that uh, you know we the day we're recording this uh, they're they're actually having the uh, that that. Dr. Ford, uh, Brett Kavanaugh, uh, hearing, uh, it is, it is crazy how, um, how the, those fights still seem to be very relevant. Yeah. I, I don't think, I don't think the playwright knew at the time that her, how much more poignant her words would become even in, since she wrote it. Um, you know, it's, yeah, it definitely, the themes definitely resound loudly today. It's a very timely piece, even though it's about the French revolution. <laughs> Now, uh, the impression I've gotten from from some some of what I've seen of the show is that this is a very lighthearted show. Are, are, you, are you guys having a blast making it? Are you doing? Uh, is it a lot of fun, or or is it this, this oh, yeah. more serious in tone than than I? I had well, it's it's a, it's a yeah, it's a wonderful play. It's the first half of the play is a runaway comedy. I mean, it's just hilarious. It's it's so much fun. It's wonderful. Um, and we were cracking up at the table read. It's just, it's really, really funny. Um, and then act two, it gets a little more serious um, because, you know, everybody loves to laugh. Comedies are great. But these women, you know, did exist. And, uh, you know, a couple of them, actually all three of the, the real life characters who are in the play, they were all executed at some point during the mm-hmm. revolution for standing up for what they believed mm-hmm. in. Or in Marie Antoinette's case, she really was the first victim of bad press. You know, most of what was written about her was not true, and everybody hated her for all the stuff that wasn't true. So, you know, if you're looking, yeah. Uh, so it's the act two really kind of comes in and sucker punches you a little bit. It's got, you know, it kind of gets into the seriousness of, yeah, this is all great and it's funny, but, you know, people are dying yeah. and that sucks. 
And so it, it is it is mostly a comedy. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of drama to it. And uh, they have we have three guillotines on stage. One of them is functional. Oh, and wow. that's all I'm allowed to say. All, that's all I'm allowed to say. Is if you want to see what, which one is used and when and how, you're going to have to come see the show. <laughs> that's that's a little scary. But uh, hopefully the, the, the terrifying edges are, 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 are dulled. <laughs> uh, you're going to have to come and find out. <laughs> we do use the same four actresses every night for the show. So you can rest <laughs> assured there. <laughs> okay, nobody's getting, none of the actors are getting killed at least. <laughs> no, sometimes you have to suffer for your art, but nobody says you have to die for it. <laughs> not, not in display, anyway. Now I'm just picturing it being like Gallagher, like you guys are gonna throw watermelons in that thing. <laughs> <laughs> not quite. There's a lot of ribbons, but no watermelons. <laughs> uh, so, do do you feel that that right now we are in need of a revolution? I think we're already in the middle of one. You know, I don't know if it's coalesced into something really that, because so many of this stuff is apparent in retrospect. You know, I'm not sure if the people going through the French Revolution realized exactly how impactful and widespread their actions would actually become. And the fact that everything that happened during that time is still resonating today, I don't think the people at the time knew exactly how big it was. And, um, you know, so I, I think we're already in a revolution and I don't know if it'll be completely apparent until we get to hindsight. Um, but you know, I, I think, I think we're already in the middle of one and I think the world's going to change and yeah, hopefully for the better time will tell. Uh, Absolutely. One, One can only hope and assume it will be for the better. Um, but you know, we won't really know until, until we get through it and can evaluate where we're at and if, you know, hopefully we're someone much better, somewhere much better than where we started. Yeah, yeah. I, I so, sometimes I think to myself, like maybe if I had a self-induced coma and just said, "Somebody wake me when things are less insane." But, uh, right. That would be nice. But then you'd miss all the weird little, you know. There's wonderful good things that happen too in the midst of all the craziness. You miss out on that stuff too. So. Yeah, there, I'd, I'd the miss Charlotte out. Cordays and Marie Antoinettes of our time are here already. We just don't know who they are yet. I would miss out on some really hilarious tweets. <laughs> right? Exactly. And someday you're gonna have to tell your grandchildren about these crazy tweets, and they won't have any idea what you're talking about. It's great. <laughs> oh my gosh, it is amazing to imagine a future where where, where kids don't know what tweets are. They would be very confused right? trying to explain be, that. <laughs> it's going to be ancient history. It'll be like trying to explain nowadays to us what like cave drawings mean. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, tell tell us a little bit about your character specifically. Well, Marie Antoinette is fascinating. I'm so glad I got a chance to play her because everybody feels like they think they know Marie Antoinette. Oh, I know who she is. Well, yeah, but when you start actually like researching her, like I had to do for the play, um, it's really fascinating because she never wrote her own story. You know, she she was not, she didn't really learn how to read and write until later on in life. Like when she was much older than you usually are when you, before you acquire those skills, she was more into, you know, theater and singing and dancing. And she just didn't have any interest in letters really. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, even though she, you know, she could read and write as an adult, she didn't write often. Um, and she didn't, she only ever wrote personal correspondence. She never wrote a diary. Mm-hmm. She never like, she never got to tell her own story. Everything we know about her is, from the writings of other people mm. and most of it is fake news. So even the really close accounts of her that maybe weren't as anti her, yeah. they were still very biased. And most of the history books, especially at that time were written by men. Mm. So 
it was really fascinating to research her because all I'm getting is secondhand opinion of who they of who whoever was writing this thinks she was, and whatever facts about her we can gather through external evidence. But we really don't know who she was, and so I got to really kind of pick out, glean the the few things in there that seemed real and and seemed substantiated and were more facts than opinion, and I get to ma- I got to make her up. You know, the rest of it I got to just make up because we really don't know who she was. So I got to have a lot of freedom in creating the character that I don't always get when you're creating and when you're bringing back to life a historical character. And so that was really fun for me. It gave me a lot to play with. And then to take her from this perceived, I mean, she's basically at the time, everyone perceived her as basically like the personification of white privilege. You know, she's beautiful. She's royalty. She spends money like crazy and she doesn't have a problem in the world. And, you know, she really did have problems. She, her husband wouldn't consummate the marriage for three years. Her life was in danger every day of those three years. Mm. And, you know, she, she lost two of her four children. I mean, there's, mm. there's real life struggles that happen within this incredibly privileged woman. Mm. And so getting to show that in the play, you know, going from kind of this, this epitome of silliness to like a real person who had real feelings and real challenges and real struggles, who desperately wanted to help her country and couldn't because they hated her so much. Yeah. And really kind of bring out the humanity to the character. That was just, it's such a privilege to, pr- to play that and to bring that story to everyone every night. I'm, I just cannot wait for opening night tomorrow night and just get to finally share it with everybody. So, so you do offer some context to the whole let them eat cake line. That's... She, I do. Yeah, she actually mentions that. And it's, it's written into the play. Um, and historically, it, she never actually said it. It was actually written in a book before she was even born as kind of a, a anachronism for uh, nobility in general, because this hatred for the nobility had been building for a while. She was just mm-hmm. kind of the easy target. By the time she came along, she was the easiest target. Ah. Um, so that was already kind of a tribute. That sort of a saying was already kind of attributed to nobility in general before she was even born. And then when she grew up and got married and all these things happened, and she sort of became this figurehead for the kind of rich people that everybody hates, that was attributed to her sort of by osmosis. She never said it. As far as as far as any historian can tell, she never actually said those words. So the way you guys are, are, are sort of portraying these characters, is it, is it more of a modern sort of interpretation? Or are you guys using French accents? Yeah, no, it's very modern. It's it's normal, it's sort of modern day accents. There's a lot of modern day references. We even joke about being that the, being in a play, in a play, inside a play. <laughs> uh, like we we mentioned, there's a Olam Tagouche at some point mentions that she's inventing meta theater or something <laughs> like that. Uh, all right. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking out the time to speak with me. Uh, we're uh, we're hopefully gonna have a review for the show next week and. Uh, yeah, it, it it sounds uh it sounds like a really fascinating project. I had actually not heard of this play before, so I was uh I was really uh interested to learn more about it. Yeah, I I had not heard of it before I read it and I, I hadn't gotten halfway through it before I was in love with it and just knew I had to play Marie Antoinette if they would let me. Yeah, I I'm I'm uh you know, it's it's kind of reassuring uh just as a person who who uh likes straight plays. To, to see a, a play that's not necessarily a, a giant musical get this sort of popularity as far as 
Yeah, it's not a musical. There is a little bit of music in it, but it's it's not a musical. It's definitely a straight play, but it's it's anything but straight. I mean, this thing is wild and wacky, and we definitely take you on a roller coaster, <laughs> you know, highs and lows, and make you laugh and then rip your heart out. It's great. It's a good time. Yeah, I need to find a better way to refer to plays that are not musicals. There, there was a there was a trend for a while of calling non musicals oh the legitimate theater, which is just just the you know. Oh dear, that's even worse. But yeah, straight theater doesn't really work either. Yeah, we need to come up with a better. We need to come up with a better slogan for that, for a better, a better term for non-musicals. <laughs> no show is straight, damn it. But uh... I know, right? It's like the worst possible word. We, <laughs> we got to get on this. Come on, theater people, let's get on this. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, the 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 show is the Revolutionists. It is playing at the Raleigh Little Theater. When we come back, we'll be joined by director Marilla Mamo. Marilla. Whatever. It's not it's not a complex name. Welcome back. It was weird that you left to begin with, considering we don't have commercials. Anyway, our next guest is director and a writer of a new kind of Shakespeare adaptation for the Fayetteville-based Sweet Tea Shakespeare Company called Othel Lit. This is one of many lit performances, which are uh, Shakespeare, it's sort of like a Shakespeare meets drinking game meets improv comedy, and it's happening at a bar near you. Please welcome the mostly sober Marie Lowe. Oh, wow! Beautiful! You can't see this at home, ladies and gentlemen, but Marie has made her entrance by way of a trans-dimensional portal. Wow, just, just a thing of beauty, and yet reassuring to know that there are millions of possible universes out there wherein all possibilities coexist. I am both in awe at the concept of an unlimited multiverse, and made insecure by my lack of significance in the grand scheme of things. Also, it's super shiny! What an entrance! Hey, and welcome to the show. You had an amazing entrance that that had to be one of the top 10 best (laughs) so so i do what i can (laughs) so uh first can you tell us a little bit about othellit is that how you pronounce it am i pronouncing it correctly yeah othellit so uh othellit is our uh drunk shakespeare take on shakespeare's play othello which is of course one of the four major tragedies and uh, we take the original text, cut it down to about an hour, and then uh, add drinking games, some improv, some audience interaction, a lot of kind of fun 80s and 90s pop music, um, and general merriment and silliness. Cool. So, so you, you guys had done this, this sort of thing before. Um, you, you've started with Hamlet, am I correct? That was Hamlet yeah. spelled L I T. It seems yeah. like it seems like after Hamlet, sort of like every other trying to add lit to the name of a show becomes harder and harder. <laughs> it certainly does. Uh, we were talking about uh, where to go if we can't use lit. So, for example, Titus and Drunkenkiss, maybe. <laughs> um, and there are some that there are some that really uh, do not lend themselves at all to a lit. For example. Anthony and Cleopatra, you could get in a lot of trouble with where you place the lit there. So, uh, yes, 
but uh, we've got a good stable started anyway. Mm. So so uh, now Othello, the original Othello, uh, that's a tragedy, is is it? Does the does the alcohol does that take the edge off the tragedy? Do you do you think it actually makes it more more tragic? I I think uh, it's better to make fun of a tragedy than a comedy. Um, I think it's funnier to make fun of the tragedy, uh, and you know we do it in very obvious and silly and slapstick kind of ways. So you know there are a lot of fights. And so instead of having a fight, they might have a dance off or they might grab, you know, breadsticks from the audience and, and use those instead of swords or, you know, it's the, the violence is, is, you know, played for humor. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a little bit worried because the, the themes in Othello are even kind of worse than in, in many of the other tragedies mm-hmm. being, dealing so strongly with uh, racism and xenophobia and misogyny. Um, you know, there's an honor killing. Uh, so I was a little bit worried about how we would handle that. But uh, I think actually playing some of those things as ridiculous drives home the point about how bad uh, all of those things I just listed, in fact, are and how ridiculous they are uh, that we still have to be talking about these things. Oh, so oh I hope I... it works. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure we we we. we... We we finished racism, right? That's no longer a thing. It's, we, <laughs> we we live in a post-racial society, oh. except when you're doing the fellow, and, <laughs> and then it, it all creeps back in. It's just a throwback. Now, I was I was criticized the other day saying that uh, we when we did this show, we did it with the theater nerd in mind, and we're not trying to make it mainstream enough. So for the people who don't know what Othello is, would you like to sort of explain that? Oh, sure. Uh, The basic plot of Othello is that Othello is a Moor, so a Muslim, uh, who has been very effective in several wars for the Duke of Venice. And uh, he is living in Venice and uh, is kind of treated as everyone's pet hero until he elopes with the daughter of a senator. And then... Uh, it becomes very, very clear very quickly that nobody really wants a Muslim and a black man to marry their daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Venice goes to war with the Turks, and uh, Othello wins that war very handily. But uh, all of the, well, not all of the people under him, but uh, his main underling, Iago, uh, is massively, massively jealous and sets him up. Uh, to fail mm-hmm. and sets him up uh, to uh, believe things that are not true. He, he gets gaslit, basically, and uh, it's all the people around him suffer terribly because of it. Now, um, during the show, is the cast allowed to drink alcohol, or is that, is that strictly... The cast is allowed to drink alcohol, and the drinking games that uh, we participate in uh, the cast participates in as well. However, we have uh, a lot of kind of health and safety rules in place surrounding that, mm. and uh, no one is required to drink. Okay. Um, so there are people in the cast who prefer not to drink, and so you know they drink soda or water or you know whatever they choose to drink because uh, while the drinking is fun and makes kind of it's a little bit like having a 
uh, slightly theater nerdy game night, um, <laughs> but much rowdier. Yeah. Um, it, it's not, the drinking is not an essential part of the experience. It's a little bit of a gimmick, you know, drunk Shakespeare. Yeah. Uh, but the, the drinking, I don't think, is what makes or breaks the experience. You're not supposed to tell people it's a gimmick. That's. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm very bad at promotion. Oh, well, that's, that's, that's okay. Maybe. I, I, I think, I think, uh, even knowing that it is a, a, a gimmick, people will probably be fascinated to see this gimmick at work. And, and, um, so, so had you found that this was a really good way of getting sort of people who, who may sort of have, uh, poo-pooed seeing, uh, Shakespeare, because of course, you know, some of it seems a little difficult for mainstream audiences to, to grasp um do, do you think this is uh, successfully uh sort of made people more interested in these these classic stories i do i certainly hope so uh i also think that uh, as silly as it is in a way it's very much what shakespeare would have done in his time uh, which is you know kind of one of the larger missions of sweet tea shakespeare is to make mm -hmm. Shakespearean practices accessible to a wider audience um, because, you know, Shakespeare is considered very highbrow and very kind of inaccessible. But in his day, you know, he was writing for the masses. He was using the popular music of the time. His plays are full of fights and dick jokes. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> they really are. Um, and so I think in some way, I don't think Shakespeare would find this completely unfamiliar. Mm -hmm. uh, I I think he wanted people to have a really good time because, you know, if he was in town for five days or a week, he had to get people wanting to come back every night to see a different show. Um, and, you know, laborers who didn't have a lot of money to, to spend. And so drinking was a huge part of the experience of going and seeing a Shakespearean play back in the day. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, and music and, and food and all of that. We do not have prostitutes roaming uh, through the audience, which uh, <laughs> I am reliably informed he did. Yeah, wow. Uh, you have to, you, if, if, if that's what you're looking for, then that's, an, you know, before or after the show activity. But uh, <laughs> everything else, good food, good music, uh, good beer if you want, or, you know, if you don't, um, and a good show, a good story. So, yeah, I think it is a way of getting people who, wouldn't necessarily want to come see a Shakespearean show to come see it. But I also think it's fun for the people who are in it mm -hmm. and people who know Shakespeare very well. Uh, I think some of the jokes uh, land differently if you're really familiar with Shakespeare. Um, it's got layers. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, this sounds like a, like it's going to be a blast. Can you, can you tell me the dates? I was a little confused as far as the dates went and, yeah, and, and, uh, so, and it's, it's being performed at multiple locations or. Yes. So uh, we perform um, all over town, all, all over the kind of larger area. Um, so we open on the 4th of October at Patty's Irish pub. And then we will be there uh, Thursday, the 11th and uh, Thursday, the 18th as well. So we have three dates at Patty's. Um, and the pre-show music starts at 7.15. The show itself starts at 8. Uh, we are also performing on Friday, October 5th at Dirtbag Brewery. Again, pre-show at 7.15 and uh, show at 8. 
on uh, October 9th, we're performing at a new venue for us, which is Hugger Mugger Brewing Company in Sanford. Um, and that's very cool because Hugger Mugger is a Shakespearean term. Um, and uh, we're performing, we're having a special show at uh, the Arts Council of Fayetteville, Cumberland County, uh, downtown on October 20th. And uh, then we finish on October 30th at Fainting Goat Brewery in Fuquay, Verena. Cool. So you're, you got, these are all in, uh, in, in Fayetteville. No, well, Fuquay, Verena, that's on Fayetteville. Fuquay and then Hugger Mugger is in um That's Sanford. in Sanford. Okay. Now, uh, with the cast, uh, are, are there a number of people that you expect a lot of people will uh, be familiar with on this cast? Well, if you're Regulars at all of the sweet tea? Shakespeare, definitely. Because this is the very first time that everyone in the lit cast has been in at least one other lit, um, including our stage manager, our music director. Um, so Tori Petty, um, Nathan Pierce, Taj Allen, Tracy Kunzapata, Jennifer Chahovsky, Gabe Terry, um, and then our music director, Jake French. These are people who have done, in many cases, all five lists. Oh, wow. um, Taj, and, Taj and Tracy were not actually old enough. They were still students at Fayetteville State to do the first lit, but they came <laughs> and they worked the ticket table. Uh, so they've been with us right from the beginning. And that is such an exciting thing for me. It's kind of like having you know your all-star cast. <laughs> dream team um nice. because it also just gives you such a wealth of experience and that shorthand that you develop when you work with people a lot um and you know we have a couple of new venues this year so like dirtbag we've performed there several times but we're performing at the in their new space uh where they have the farmer's market so that'll be exciting hugger mugger you know we've never performed there that'll be great and they actually brewed a special beer just for us oh, wow. uh, for lit yeah, that's very cool. It's a pomegranate sour. Uh, I don't drink beer, so I can't <laughs> you uh, don't drink <laughs> beer, and you're the director of the lit show. Well, somebody has to be sober. I'm the designated director. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> you get that on your business cards. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking out the time to speak with us. We uh, we probably I don't. Uh, I don't know if this would be the type of show we'd want to do. Uh, we'd try to do a review of, but we definitely would like to. I'll definitely try to make it out. When we come back, actress and comedian Brett Williams. Don't be fooled by her name. She's got no dong. My next guest is an actress who has played a starring role in the musical Avenue Q at Raleigh's Little Theatre, among a number of other roles. On September 29th, she is performing as part of the improv musical Tony and Tina's Wedding, which is being performed at the Glenwood in Raleigh. Williams is also an accomplished stand-up comedian and can be seen performing in The Eyes Up Here Comedy Presents Lost My Head Stand-Up and Stories variety hour I, I, it's a very long name anyway that's on october 6th at the raleigh little theater please welcome the magically suspicious brett williams oh wow ha, terrific those of you at home can't see this but williams has entered stage by way of carrier pigeon 
Oh, that poor little pigeon is yeah. flapping its wings so hard to carry the weight of a human body. It has hollow bones. Each and every one of those bones is snapping like twigs in the name of getting Miss Williams to her desired destination. Oh my goodness, it is truly a thing of beauty. Nature at its finest. That bird gave its life for a great cause. My name is Brett. Uh, that's my real name. Uh, uh, I was actually named after a character in a book, North and South by John Jakes. Anybody here ever read a book? <laughs> One person. That's great. This, I write love songs, as you guys know, and uh, this is a love song. Anybody here in love? <laughs> okay, well, this one's for some of you. <laughs> I'm just trying to find a way to say the things I want to say. Cause I love you just ain't enough. So listen up, these words are off the cuff. I've just been shot by Cupid. And now all these words sound stupid No one understood me like you did You got my head doing loop-de-loops You got me jumping through all these hoops And now there's just one thing left to do I wanna poop in front of you <laughs> I think it's the most intimate thing two people can do I mean, you don't have to stay there the whole time. You could just walk in by accident and then leave and then apologize. <laughs> and I'd say, it's okay. Just maybe not next time. Thank you. Hey, Kate knows that one. Cool. Um, so I just got back, uh, from Thailand, recently, thank you, uh, and, uh, I was in Bangkok, which is not a euphemism, and, uh, I was, I got into a taxi, and the taxi driver was like, oh, where are you from? And I was like, America, and he goes, oh, America, Obama. I was like, oh my god, he doesn't know. <laughs>
song about an ex-boyfriend. <laughs> Thank you. That was amazing. It's weird how our audience typically never laughs. <laughs> They're usually pretty stoic. I guess they don't like me. Anyway, thanks for joining us. Wow, that was an amazing set. Thank you so much for that. And, and that was that was quite the entrance as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, our audience uh, typically, typically they don't laugh at all. And for some reason during that set, oh, yeah. nothing but laughs. That was, it uh, honestly hurts my feelings a little, well, but yeah, they, <laughs> they loved you. Right. So. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> Play along. So, uh, I'm playing. I'm, I got. I what I do. Somebody, somebody at home is buying into the ruse. Um, so, uh, <laughs> you would be our first stand-up comic who is also a stage actress. Uh, how how do those those two worlds compare? Which one has the best groupies? <laughs> um. Well. Oh boy. Um. I would probably say the actors. We have the best groupies, uh, but uh, because most of the stand-up groupies are just like super depressed, <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. They're 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 not really comparable. I don't think because they're it's just two totally different worlds. And in, in you know theater, you have people that you know on stage with you that can help you if things start to go you know upside turny. Mm -hmm. uh, but if in, when you're standing up there by yourself, you're you're to blame for all of anything that goes wrong. <laughs> Why are the stand-up groupies so depressed? They 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 just enjoyed a comedy show. Yeah, you'd think that. You'd think that, but the, as soon as you meet them in person, like in, when they're in the audience, they're smiling. But then when they're on stage, they're just sad, and they're like, "We want to see how sad you are." Oh wow! So yeah. that, that's there should be a study of this. It's it sounds uh. Oh, there is. So, uh, the news. <laughs> so, do you do a lot of traveling as a as a comic? Uh, yeah, I I think uh, most of the time I stay around the triangle. So it's not actually this Friday I am driving to Greenville uh for a stand up show. So that's going to be you know three ish hour drive, and then I have to drive back to Raleigh. So it's going to be. A bit of a drive. Have you ever been out of the country? Yes, I, I have been out of the country, but not for stand-up. Um, I, I don't want to, like, shock them, you know. <laughs> uh, but it, uh, I have been out of the country a few times just for just for fun. Um, but And I've been around the country, uh, the whole country uh, and done stand-up. Oh, but cool. It is, yeah, it's a, it's a crazy world out there, for you sure. Where, where where do you find where do you find the most crazies? Have you been to Florida? I feel like there's probably more crazies down there. Than, <laughs> it's a disproportionate amount um, of crazy. You know, I want to go to Florida, but I've not been to Florida uh, for comedy as of yet. I went to Disney World. Is that close? Um, I mean, if they're in Florida, I, yeah, that counts. Yeah, yeah. I didn't do stand up there. I was eight, so it doesn't really. I feel uh, like Disney translate. World is like the Vatican in Florida. It's like. It's 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 its own its own country. Now, uh, you you as uh, our listeners can attest, you have a beautiful singing voice, um, and and obviously you 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 put them them uh, lungs to work doing some musical theater. 
Is that a, was that something that sort of, that you got trained in, or is that just sort of you naturally just sort of have those vocals? <laughs> Man, I wish I could tell you it's all natural, uh, but I have had some work done. Um, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I actually started, Is there a surgery? Uh, voice. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they can do that now in plants. Uh, but I, uh, I was actually in, uh, I think was, I started in middle school. I started doing vocal lessons and I did theater in middle school. My sister had started uh, she's two years older than me, so she started theater. And then when I got into uh, middle school, my mom didn't want to have to carpool twice, so <laughs> I stayed in the theater. And it was a lot of fun. And we, both me and my sister, started doing, you know, chorus and voice lessons, and kept it up for a long time. So, so had you mostly done uh, comedy as far as as your, your theater goes, or you just? Like, I, oh, I'm no. wondering how I, you transitioned I, from theater to doing stand-up as well. Did you get um, that, that high from a laugh from the audience? You're like, I need to get this on the regular. Oh, oh no, the first time. Uh, <laughs> it was so bad. Um, but I, I actually done only musical theater for a long time, all through college. And then right after I graduated college, I wanted to keep doing performing stuff, but uh, I just didn't really have a lot of time to commit to a, a full theater production. You know, you're in rehearsal every day. And um, so I decided that I would just do stand-up because I, I thought about it, but I thought it would allow me more, like, flexibility. And uh, really, it doesn't. I'm still busy. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I did it one time at Good Nights. And I was not great. <laughs> um, and it was like midnight. I was like the 40th comic on the list. Um, but for some reason, I, I did okay enough that I tried again. Yeah. And I did a little better the second time. And then the third time, I bombed hard. One of the hardest bombs I've ever had. It was oh, wow. so terrible. It felt Oh God, it just felt like the air had been sucked out of the room. And, uh, and then I just went back again and I don't, <laughs> I think I'm just a masochist. Um, but I think, uh, I think that's, yeah, and then I just, that's the test yeah. of, of, of a great comic. You, you, if you can go back after bombing, then that's, yeah. And, and don't be, don't be too impressed. I've bombed so many times after that. Like, <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, and I actually didn't even start using the ukulele until about a year, a little over a year after I'd started stand-up. So I'd mm -hmm. just been doing purely stand-up, and then for some reason I was like, I'm all right as well. And uh, now I, I'm, I'm doing mostly songs and then a little bit of jokes in between. So um, a lot of your, your uh, routine, I noticed, is, is about dating. Is that... Is that something you found that guys worry about when they start dating you that they're gonna somehow wind up in a song or um I think if they don't worry about it, then they're not paying attention <laughs> um, <laughs> who was that two dick song about <laughs> oh he doesn't exist yet uh, no actually there <laughs> is a uh <laughs> it was funny we actually wrote that song um 
like I said, I, I wrote it with my friend, Purdy Holtham, and she uh, she showed me the AMA on Reddit of this guy with two. And um, <laughs> I was like, all right, I think that he needs to hit a song. Hopefully one day, one day he'll hear it and he'll think of me. Yeah, no, the, I'm, I'm actually trying to write an album. I have like uh, 12, 12 is a really generous uh, number, but uh, 12 songs to put on an album that I will hopefully be releasing soon. So uh, you are you are in a show, and I'm not sure. I think this episode should be out before this show, and it's a one-time show, from my understanding. Um, uh, it's about a wedding. Did you do you want to plug that at all? Uh, sure. Um, <laughs> so my you don't need to be so reluctant. <laughs> about it. I mean, I mean, I. I'll do whatever somebody asks me. That's actually a terrible motto. Never live by that. Don't ever do what you want to do. Um, but I, I am going to be in a, it's an immersive theater production. Uh, it's called Tony and Tina's Wedding. And it's actually one of the longest running improv shows. Um, I mean, I, I'm not even sure how long it's been running at this point, but uh this Saturday, the 29th, at the Glenwood in Raleigh, uh, off of Women's Club Drive. Um, and I think the cocktail hour starts at 5.30, but I can't remember. But there's definitely a ticket on the event page. And uh, it's pretty uh, It's pretty crazy. There's... Okay. I'm sorry. There seems to be a a, uh, a truck backing up into our studio. <laughs> um, but yeah, this this Saturday and uh, it's it's a, just a wild time. It, it basically is a, a wedding that the audience gets to be a part of, and I'm a nun, oh. <laughs> um, so and uh, I will be there and. You should too. <laughs> cool. It'll be a lot of fun. And irregardless, cafe is okay. Like, ooh, fancy food. Cool. And now uh, you do have uh, some upcoming stand-up uh, performances coming up. Uh, do you want to do you want to plug those? Yeah. Um. I so if anybody ever wants to go see a comedy show around the triangle, there's a huge comedy scene in Raleigh. Uh, it's actually. It's pretty awesome, um, but I post all of my on my Facebook page, which is Brett Williams Comedian Question Mark. And people have asked, I can't take the question mark off. I don't know how to do it. It's there forever. <laughs> um, but I, I post the event page, the event uh, invites on there uh, as quickly as I can. But uh, I do have one pretty big event coming up on October 6th at Raleigh Little Theater in the Amphitheater. Uh, it's called, uh, it's, a, it's a storytelling show called Lost My Head, and it's being presented by Erin Terry, who is just one of the most lovely people in the entire world. And she is the creator of Eyes Up Here, uh, women comedy uh, brand, I suppose. And uh, she's, she's just, an incredible person but we're gonna have a couple storytellers go up there and talk about 
a time when they quote lost their head. So it should be should be exciting. Um, I have another show on October twentieth, and uh, if you guys know anything about SparkCon in Raleigh, they unfortunately had to reschedule because of our lovely Florence. Um, but it's a art festival that happens in downtown Raleigh, and the 20th, I will be doing a comedy show at the City of Raleigh Museum on Fayetteville Street in Raleigh at 7, I believe. Cool. So, that'll be fun. Well, thank you so much. You are a an innately hilarious woman, and uh, I uh, also... <laughs> Very, very skilled singer. I hope we get to have you on the show again sometime. I want to thank all of our guests, our band, Timmy Dukes and the Fair Use Players, and, of course, you, our pre-recorded audience. It's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your pets are? Spay and neuter your kids. Also, dim the lights, fade to black. For I'm longing for dear old Broadway. Longing for dear old town Yes, I'm longing to stroll on Broadway Watching the world go